What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? What up, what up? One more win, Dub Nation. And and do we have a fire show for you guys this week? Warriors-Celtics game five. Warriors take a 3-2 lead going back into Boston to go and win the NBA championship quite possibly. And should AD change his off-season program? And what is the best case scenario for the Lakers offseason and their personnel. And lastly, could LeBron really be on a pathway to the first ownership for an NBA franchise in Las Vegas? We'll talk a little bit about that. And of course, we got your social media posts of the week. But first, Chris, this game five, man, Mm. I got I got jitters. I got jitters still because the Warriors are now able to do something that no team has been able to do since the 1985 Los Angeles Lakers, and that's win the NBA title on the Boston parquet floor, something I haven't seen done in my lifetime, and not very many people, players, or teams can say that they've done. I cannot wait to see what happens in game six. Steph Curry had an off night, didn't even hit a three, was 0 for 9 from the three-point range, and who stepped up? It wasn't Klay Thompson, who also has some timely shots. And it wasn't Draymond Green who actually played better than he did in the previous games, also fouled out for the third time in the series. First time that's been done since Dell Davis back in 2000, by the way. But it was Andrew Wiggins who came up huge with 26 points and had some clutch buckets and sealed it with a huge dunk over Derek White. But Chris, (laughs) what is your take on the Warriors and how they played and battling the Celtics down? Because the Celtics walked them down, right? They were up by about 14, 15 points, and the Celtics walked them down in that third quarter. <clears throat> Chris, how did the Celtics let this one slip away, and what's your take on the Warriors taking a 3-2 lead? Yeah, it was a very interesting game. Both teams kind of got off to a ragged start offensively. I think it was a combination, even though they're coming off of a two-day sabbatical for after game four, uh, it, there, there was still the legs were rough and you saw it throughout the game and Steph never compared to guys like Tatum and Brown. He never got going in this game. And you really saw the the type of shots he was taking and making throughout this series. He was missing. You said it Oh, for nine, but he still turned in a decent performance, 16 points, eight assists. Uh, he, he didn't mind being a decoy throughout the game. Uh, he was still able to get to his spots. The floater game was working. He was still able to get to the free throw line a little bit. But the story of this game was the Warriors supporting cast as well as their defense. I think their defense did an outstanding job. Flashes of what we saw in game two. Yeah, the third quarter was rough. And credit to Boston. You know, the one thing we've got to give credit for, to, to the Celtics for in this series, every time Golden State, has gone on one of those big runs where they take control of the game. Boston somehow, some way pushes right back, gets themselves back, get themselves back in the game. It was looking like it was going to be flashes of game one where Warriors are in control and then Boston took over in the fourth quarter. But that three that Jordan Poole hit to end the third quarter, the buzzer beater, barely out of his hand. All the momentum. All the momentum shifted back to Golden State, and they didn't look back. And I just think fatigue caught up with Brown. Fatigue caught up with Tatum. Tatum had two air balls in the fourth quarter, still turned in 27 points. Marcus Smart uh, was getting into it with the rest. You could just kind of see Boston, when things didn't go their way, they they, they went back to being a young, sort of immature team, not able to handle certain types of adversity. But I got to say, Andrew Wiggins, I, and I tweeted this out, Chaz, from the Outlet Forum Twitter page. I said, Andrew Wiggins had a performance that would make Kevin Durant smile. Kevin Durant, yeah, man. we, you know, re- remember in the finals where he was winning those finals MVPs in 2017 and 2018, going up against LeBron and them in Cleveland, he was putting up consistently 26, 28 point performances, 12, 13 rebounds, and like five or six assists. Andrew Wiggins had one of those games tonight when Steph who's been carrying the squad for the first four games, couldn't ever get it going. He looked tired. The legs looked heavy. It wasn't just Wiggins, but he set the tone. Draymond stepped up. Clay stepped up. Poole stepped up. Gary Payton, the second. All guys, I mean, some of those guys, they're playing in their first finals ever. 
And yeah. they, they completely embraced the big stage. They played great. They picked up their leader when he was down, and that's a big reason why the Warriors won this game. Wiggins not only got it done with, with, the, uh, with the points, but the rebounding, the defense on Jason Tatum. I mean, he 13 rebounds, 13 rebounds. You know what, Chaz? He's quietly had a very good series. I think people have kind of oh, overlooked yeah. that where everyone's talking about Steph, 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 and who's going to help out Steph. Well, one of the guys that's been helping him throughout these five games has been Andrew Wiggins. You know, we're all focusing on who's struggling. Let's look at who's doing well. And Wiggins has been one of those guys, but just a total team effort. Great adjustments by Steve Kerr. The defense showed up. They, they, they were able to keep the Celtics in check in that fourth quarter. I think fatigue played a big factor with Boston, plus the lack of foul calls. And that's now why Golden State is one win away from securing their fourth championship in the last six years. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown played 44 minutes each. Andrew Wiggins played 43, and he didn't seem tired. So, yeah. I mean, now granted, he doesn't have to initiate offense the way that Tatum and Brown do have to do for the Celtics, but... The fact that Wiggins was able to put up the game that he had offensively and crash the boards and play Tatum pretty good on the defensive end, who was a minus 13 overall, even though he had 27 points, Jalen Brown didn't really get hot, didn't hit a, a single three-pointer, had 18 points, was a minus 19. And the fact that Marcus Smart really had those boneheaded moments in the fourth quarter where, yeah. now granted, he was held first and Jordan Poole flopped, but then he had a technical Ime Udoka had a technical I believe in the third quarter um Marcus Smart said that he was talking to his teammate uh but we don't know if that's really true because on the replay it looked like he was uh you know talking back to the ref I really put this win on the fact that the Warriors have a system and Draymond really brought the energy and set the tone from the first quarter on. along with Wiggins that's, yeah that set the tone for everything and everything just kind of fell into place, even though Steph Curry's shot wasn't falling. Um, I just felt like Clay really hit some timely threes when the Warriors really needed it. Mm -hmm. And Steph, although he only had 16 points, he hit some big shots right. as well. So it's not, sometimes it's not about how many points or what you have or your number. It's about when it comes and the big moment. And Jordan Poole, while he didn't have a huge game by any means at all he, had, big he had pretty he had the biggest shot i think of the yeah, entire game i agree because that's that swung the entire momentum because the, the celtics uh it was about it was like a four point swing i believe at, uh, at about three minutes left in the third quarter where the warriors could have went up by a couple bit more points but the celtics you know play some good defense got an easy bucket on the other end and that's what had jordan Poole coming down hitting that shot and swinging the momentum back that other way. So I think that was the biggest shot. But overall, Chris, what do you think, man? You got the Warriors closing it out in game six? Because I, I do. That was my original pick. Sure. I, when I, I, said, I said Warriors in six. I thought it would be a seven-game series, but I told you the Warriors' experience would have them going game six and closing it out because the Celtics showed that immaturity in big moments, like even in game seven by letting – the Miami Heat back into that game. I said it was going to come to bite them, and it did in yeah. game five. Can they overcome it in game six, or will the Warriors close them out? What do you think? Well, here's the thing with Boston. There's there's two things here you could look at. Uh, this is not the first time they've been down 3-2. Let's go back to the second round against the Milwaukee Bucks. Everyone thought their goose was cooked, and the difference was, going back to that series, they were headed back to Milwaukee in a closeout situation. So everyone thought for sure Boston is done. No way they're going to beat the defending champs on their home court and force the game seven back in Boston, but they did. So the one thing that I have stopped doing in these playoffs when watching the Celtics is do not underestimate this squad. They are going to come out with a lot of pride, a lot of heart, and they are going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at the Warriors in game six. However, looking at this game, there were a lot of things that they did wrong. And everyone's going to talk about Jason Tatum or Brown or Smart. There were a lot of things, though. 18 turnovers, 19 turnovers, whatever they had. They had a lot of turnovers, a ton of missed free throws. They missed their first 12 three-point attempts, and a lot of them were quality looks. So you're not going to win a game on the road against this team by not doing the little things correctly. 
you, you have to make your free throws. You cannot turn the ball over as much as you did. Now, granted, give Golden State's defense some credit. They forced Brown into some t- tough situations. They, they were getting up into guys. They forced guys to make bad decisions. That's what good defensive teams are able to do. However, if you're turning the ball over at that volume and missing free throws and missing a ton of threes, Chaz, how, how do you expect to win? That's no, the thing. I, I mean, granted, they, the fact that they were can't. even in this game up until the final three minutes just goes to show you that, I mean, Golden State wasn't all that much better. I mean, because Golden State struggled to, to make threes themselves. They couldn't ever really deliver that true knockout punch. But the fact of the matter is Celtics are tough. They're resilient. They're well-coached. And they're going to be bringing every, every sort of A game possible, knowing that their season is on the line. And I think they're not going to overreact to this loss. I think that they're going to they're gonna find a way to dig it out. Now, that being said, I still would not count out the Warriors to just think, hey, worst comes to worst, we have game seven on our home floor. No. The mentality for the Warriors is simple. Bring one suit, and if we get back on this plane back to Frisco, we better have that Larry O'Brien trophy with us. They look. So who's your pick? I didn't hear a pick. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, heard, I heard a lot. I heard a lot of analysis, but I didn't hear a pick. Warriors. What you got? Warriors. 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 In six or Warriors seven? Warriors in six. Warriors in six. All right, you you on the Warriors same train as six. on the same train as me. The Warriors have been here before. They didn't close Cleveland out in 2016 like they should have in game five, game six, or game seven. Mm-hmm. They had no chance in game six with Kyrie and LeBron both putting up 41 points apiece. They didn't have a chance. And game five was the game that Draymond was suspended for after that altercation with LeBron. They've been here before. Mm-hmm. They know they better close it out in six because anything, especially in the finals, mm-hmm. in a game seven, Ron Artest can hit a three with 30 seconds left or a minute, a minute left to win an NBA champion championship. Anything can happen in a game seven. As we Laker fans know, the Warriors had better get it done because the Celtics, Celtics could be very hot in game seven. So, and they've won two game sevens already in this postseason. Exactly. Exactly. Especially uh, Boston, who was already won a game seven on the road, beating the Miami Heat. So, uh, man, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for this next game. And but I think that the Warriors, Warriors got no, nothing gets me more excited than greatness in history. And when I realized that the Warriors have a chance to do something that that hasn't been done since the 85 Lakers, albeit because the Celtics just don't really win in the modern era. They've only been to the finals. What this is their third time since 1985. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, no, not not since 1985. They win in 87. So what? They've been to this. They've been to the finals four, four times. Eight, 86, four 87, times. Yeah. 2008, and e- either way out. Either way, I was close. My point is, they haven't gone as many times as the Lakers have. Lakers have in the modern era since 1985. The Lakers, I believe, have been to 13 NBA Finals. Well, because so, the Lakers own the yeah. 2000s. I mean, let's just, yeah, it's, you know, it's, let's it's, just be real. It's, it's it's not even close. But anyways, I'm just excited for history. And if Steph Curry can not only win the NBA championship, win Finals MVP, and be the first to do something since 1985 and had that notch in his belt. That's big time. So I'm just excited to see it. And even if they don't win, I'll be even more excited for a game seven. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know what it is for me? I believe that purple and gold and I can't see Boston win number 18. No. And, and I hate (laughs) that hashtag too, that they have all about 18 for, for, for the Celtics. I mean, bleed green was bad enough. now their hashtag is all about 18. Yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, it, it's about to be hashtag. We're, we're still on 17. That's what we that, want that hashtag to, to, to say at the end of the series. That's all it's about. And that's all it's about for the Lakers, even right now, while their off season is going on. It's all about number 18. And that brings me to the Los Angeles Lakers. And unfortunately, mm. our boy AD got caught slipping a little bit and saying something on a podcast Chris, why don't you go ahead and roll that tape of AD saying what he said? I haven't shot a basketball since the final April, good. like maybe like April fifth, like where you actually shot a basketball. Now look, guys, let me let me just break this down for you guys, and I'm gonna get a quick cosign in here 
on some audio that I heard that I just absolutely love that I can't even repeat. I got to let you guys hear it. But before I let you guys hear this amazing audio by Uncle Shay Shay, Shannon Sharp of Undisputed on FS1, AD said that he hasn't touched the basketball since April 5th, which is about eight weeks ago, almost nine. And this is a part of his regimen. He takes at least four weeks off entirely after the season, then takes six weeks to strictly weight train and get his body in the correct position. And then he goes into his on-court training prior to training camp and then training camp and then preseason and so on. That's AD's regimen. So everybody freaking out, oh, man, AD hasn't touched the basketball in over two months when his shot was broke all season. He didn't even play that much this season because he was hurt. I get it. Pump the brakes a little bit, though, because this is a part of his regimen, and he's not outside of that. But overall, I do understand, and I agree with Shannon Sharp, that AD, you got to change something because nothing matters more than number 18 for the LA Lakers, and the Lakers can't do it without AD, and they have to, he has to shoot better than he has been. So to hear him not to say that he hasn't picked up a basketball and be so nonchalant about it doesn't sit well. And it also doesn't sit well for Shannon Sharp. Skip, I, I, I read this thing the other day, and the guy was telling the story. He said, my grandfather walked 10 miles. He said, my dad walked five miles. He says, I drive a Cadillac. He says, my son mm-hmm. will be back with my grandfather. He say, tough times make, make tough men. Mm-hmm. Tough men make easy times. Mm-hmm. You see what happened? It's when AD wanted to get to that point, AD grinded. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, he got that ring. He did. Now, he's going to be back to square one. Mm-hmm. It takes a special type of somebody to do what a LeBron, to do what a Jordan, to do what a Kobe. You reach the apex, and you don't admire the view. You try. You find another summit to scale. You do. Everybody's not wired like that. Anthony Davis is not wired like that. And therein lies the problem because he should be Giannis. He should have been Giannis before Giannis. Six foot ten, can shoot, can rebound, can play it all. He's a five-tool player if there's such a thing in basketball. And why isn't he? Because it doesn't mean enough to him. Doesn't. That's it. God, Chaz, you're turning me into an engineer uh, over here. I'm. I feel like I'm uh, Chris Morales from 710 ESPN. Uh, yeah. So here, here's the thing. Shannon wasn't the only former athlete that was upset. Uh, with, with Anthony Davis's lack of picking up a basketball and seemingly not doing anything. To the naked eye, it feels like he hasn't done anything. I think a lot of former athletes feel he's sort of disrespecting the process, that he's not taking it seriously, that he's not committed to winning. And everything that Shannon said on there, I agree with. And I've been saying for a while that Giannis has certainly passed him by but more importantly, I think Jokic and Embiid, as far as NBA big men, have also passed him by the last couple of years now. So here's why it's, it is a big deal. Because that jump shot was broke this past year. Because your mid-range game has been inconsistent at times. Because your post game has been inconsistent. Because you're not very good at passing out of double teams. Because you've been lackadaisical on forming a decent pick and roll partnership with anyone besides LeBron James. And you just need to improve. If you're not getting worse, Chaz, you're, uh, I'm sorry. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I mean, that's the old adage right now. Why isn't it a big deal? And this is where I'm sort of leaning toward. This season isn't even in the books yet. We've got a maximum of two more games left before we could actually put 2022 in the books. So even if he didn't do anything for the last two months and was in Cancun or filming another three ruffles commercials or raising another kid, or as pinky said in next Friday, I got a girlfriend and a wife on the side, even with all of that, you know, I mean, if he, if he had all of that going on, he would still have what about three, four months. My man just got married, (laughs) but I got you. I got you. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, He would still have three, three months and change before the actual training camp starts or, or I think uh, before the first preseason game, whatever the case may be. So that's why it's not a big deal uh, from that particular aspect, because you still have time to get training, to get yourself into proper conditioning, to work on your game, et cetera, what have you. 
I think the problem, the problem I see is the fact that you could be doing weight training. What's wrong with getting up a hundred shots a day? I mean, that doesn't seem very taxing on your legs. What's wrong with, you know, working on different techniques on your three point shot, working on different techniques on your post game. Right. Because I tell you this, Giannis is probably in the gym right now. And Giannis, Giannis, the season ended uh, less than a month ago. My man got a movie coming out too. Right. So there you go. I think that's the issue that this quote, whether it was done in jest or many people don't see it as a big deal, it still makes you look bad because it makes it seem like you don't care that your, your mind is on other things besides what makes you who you are which is basketball. I mean, I hate to say it. I understand these are human beings. They got lives, wives, girlfriends, whatever the case may be, other businesses, kids. Of course, you have a right to live your life, but there's gonna there's a price to pay, as we've talked about uh, before, to being an NBA superstar or any sort of athlete. You are under a microscope. You are constantly being judged by fans, media, social media, whatever the case may be, fair or unfair. That's what you sign up for when you sign that contract that pays you, you know, close to 40 million annually, it comes with it. So you have to be careful what you do, what you say and how you do it and how you say it. So there, that's why this looks really, really bad. Well, uh, it also, and it shouldn't be, but it's what it is. It also looks bad because LeBron James is posting videos and pictures of himself going crazy there you go. in the gym saying, yeah, I know I'm a lunatic to the grind. And it's the complete opposite of what the second best player on the team is doing. The, be- the best who's younger, who's, who's older, right? LeBron is older by, you know, a, a good amount. And he looks in shape, ready to go, excited for the season, sending out messages that he's ready for the fall because he's pro- watching Steph Curry in the finals about to win his fourth ring, catching up to LeBron who has his fourth ring, who wants his fifth now. LeBron's motivated. AD on a podcast talking about him not shooting. It's a big deal because what it shows me and Laker Nation, I apologize for what I'm about to say, but it's just the truth. AD is not who we thought he was. He is a talent. He has the potential to be an all-time great. I don't know if he really will. I don't know if he's going to be an all-time great. If he does, it'll be because LeBron James kicked it into overdrive and was able to win this championship and another one next year. And then one year after that, something like that. But we all know that's not happening realistically. So AD is going to have to win a championship with him being the best player or somebody else being the best player on the team. And I don't think that's going to happen. AD is not the guy that we thought that we were getting to usher us into the new era after LeBron to still be able to compete and win championships. He'll be able to help us, but he won't be the guy. And I know I was really big on AD when he first came in and I still am. And he's a top seven, top five player in the league when healthy to me, he's better than Jokic and he's better than Giannis and he's better than Luca. He's better than those three players to me when he is healthy. Mm. What did 2020 bubble AD do to Jokic? Yeah, but Jokic is... Hold on, no. I, I got a clap back for... No, 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 no. You're not going to disrespect my boy, the Joker, like that either. Denver was AD dead in the water. AD is better than him. Let me just say this over here, all right? You know, all pump, right, pump your right. brakes just for a second before, so, so I could just give Joker, the, the Joker some flowers here. Denver was dead in the water in that game too. The game that AD hit one of the most clutch threes in, in Laker history. The only reason why that was even needed was because Denver roared back on the back of Nikola Jokic and who was guarding Jokic in that fourth quarter, Anthony Davis. Jokic had a big series. And up until Le- LeBron said, no mas Joker in game five, that was really when it was all over for Nikola Jokic. That came on LeBron's heels, not exactly Anthony Davis's. So not to mention the last two years, Nikola Jokic has been a two-time MVP and arguably now the best set. He's elevated himself to being the best center in the game. What's AD done outside of staying street clothes and, and, and shoot 26% and 18% from downtown. Oh, wait, Hey, 
he got so, he got something that Luca and Jokic don't have, and that's that droolery. Okay, so that's what he has that the all those other two guys don't have. You have a better argument with Giannis because Giannis actually put up a fifty piece and has done everything that we thought that AD could have done by now. Sure, really, Giannis is AD after a. We thought that AD was going to be Giannis, but turns out. That Giannis is just that dude. So not to mention Giannis dropped forty-seven on his head. Yeah, when LeBron yeah, missed I, that game in in Milwaukee, I, and what did Giannis? Uh, what, what did AD do? Eighteen points and five rebounds. When it, when AD is right, come on now. It, all, all I all I want to see at this point, so badly, is AD healthy in a deep playoff run in front of fans because this bubble, it's not going away. This bubble. Uh, asterisk. Let's just call it a asterisk, bubble. Asterisk. Yeah, yeah. This, it, it's it's not going away. It's and an asterisk he- in the shape of a bubble. I hate hearing it. So all I want to all I want to see is AD and LeBron healthy in a deep playoff run with fans in the stands, ready to go. That's what I want to see. But really, I think AD is that guy when healthy. I just it doesn't it's not encouraging to hear that he hasn't picked up a ball in over two months. And isn't going to if right. he stays on his schedule for another at least couple weeks. And LeBron James is we see him shooting with his kids and on on Instagram live. So yeah, it's a good it's just point. Not encouraging. It's not encouraging. And there's two more things I just want to point out on this. It's one thing to say that and say, hey, I'm coming off of a major serious injury. Anthony Davis did not end the season injured. He 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 was shut down, but he wasn't injured. He was out there when the Lakers lost to Phoenix and their season was pretty much done. They were eliminated mathematically from the playoffs or the play in. And he sat out those final couple games against Oklahoma city and Denver. And I forgot who else it was, but uh, he did not play, but he wasn't hurt. He was actually healthy. He was trying to get healthy to help the Lakers in that stretch run. And then when you hear somebody like Clayton Kershaw said something similar, when he was coming off of his injury for the Dodgers on a, on a forearm inflammation, when he says, I haven't picked up a baseball, that makes a little bit more sense because Kershaw was actually dealing with a serious injury. And the fact of the matter is Kershaw has got a reputation of being somebody who's an intense competitor, wants to win, wants to get better every year, wants to go out and, and be the best he can be. You know, Anthony Davis can learn something from guys that we've mentioned, Giannis, and Joker and Embiid, and even somebody like Clayton Kershaw, who is arguably one of the greatest pitchers to ever live. What are we going to be saying about AD when it's all said and done? Are we going to be saying he's one of the greatest power forwards to ever live? I hope so. But if, everything else these last couple of years is pointing in that other direction, Chaz. I, I thought what Shannon said was absolutely correct. AD isn't wired like LeBron. It takes a different kind of competitor to get to the top of that mountain and then find another summit to, cl- to climb mm-hmm. ad is back to square one right now and a lot to prove all i know is he better not come into the season struggling because this is going to be Make his calling card all season it's going to be full that's why you should have started touching the basketball the day after the season was done he's going to hear it all season mm. if he's still shooting less than 30% from the three-point line and less than 80% or 70% from the free throw line and less than 50% from the field. So nickname's going to go from street clothes to Twitch. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's not encouraging. That's the best way I can put it. It's not encouraging, not a big deal, but not encouraging. You know, what is a big deal though, Chris hit me with it. I'll tell you on the other side. You know what? Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. Giving it your all. It Even though you kind of suck. <laughs> but you know what doesn't suck? Ooh. Sports! 
trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Let's get that dialogue started with everybody, huh? And then you could also follow us on our website, www.nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Click on the shows tab. Click on the outlet form and that'll take you to our Apple podcast page. So with all this talk jazz about Anthony Davis and what he's going to look like coming into training camp, I guess it, it begs a bigger question. Well, we know Anthony Davis is going to be here. We obviously know Darvin Ham's going to be coaching the team. You got LeBron. How else is the rest of this roster going to look with the fact that Russell Westbrook just officially opted in or plans to opt in? Hasn't yet. What well, he has a couple couple more weeks. Okay, well, whatever. Let's just say for in all intents and purposes, he would be a stooge to turn down forty seven million. So he will be opting into that final year, and it looks as though the Lakers probably won't actually deal him. Anything could happen, but let's just say he's going to be a Laker going into the twenty two twenty three season. That being said, what do the Lakers have planned for free agency? I think that the Lakers are going to have to use their tax mid-level exception in order to get a solid wing. They're going to need at least two, three and D players. Mm -hmm. They're going to need like a stretch five and they're going to need like another, you know, ball handler or guard of some sort. That's kind of like somebody that played the role of, uh, DJ Augustine, right? Somebody that isn't, isn't a starter, but somebody that's a rotation player that can play, that's going to be able to handle the ball. The big thing for the Lakers is the mid-level exception that they're going to have to get pl- players that might be available like Gary Harris, Damian Lee, Mo Bamba, Torian Prince, Aaron Holiday, mm. and KCP. KCP could be a free agent if the Wizards, you know, obviously don't. Uh, he's a re- I think he's going to be a restricted free agent. Well, no, he's got one more year guaranteed on that on that contract, right? Or is that? But a it's not. Option? It's not fully. It's not fully guaranteed. So if okay, it's not so fully guaranteed, then he can become. Yeah, yeah he could potentially he could now. The, if I had to guess, they'll make that fully guaranteed, and he'll stay with the Wizards. But and then if, maybe they deal with him at the deadline. Exactly. But it's really going to come down to the Lakers. They're going to keep THT, I think, Austin Reeves, Winnie and Gabriel, Stanley Johnson. Those players are going to be on the team or at least into when training camp starts. Mm. LeBron, AD, Russ, it's about seven guys. So that means you got at least five or six players that you're going to need to fill out the roster with. I think that you can get a KCP, but if he's not available, Personally, I would like Gary Harris of the name of the names on that list. One of the guys that, yeah, that's the guy that that, that's a number one that can shoot, create his own shot and play. He's not known for his defense, but he's a bigger wing defender Mm. who can play defense. Not known for it, but can play defense, I believe, because he has the body to do so. And if you got Darvin Ham up your ass telling you to play defense, I have a feeling that he's going to be able to play a little bit of defense. That's that's the pick that I want at the mid-level mm. exception if KCP isn't available. And then you're going to get a slew of, of guys on the minimum, and you're really going to have to ask players to take less to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and potentially Russell Westbrook to get a chance to maybe do a one-plus-one deal, like a minimum deal uh, you know, with maybe an option if you're going to do somebody with the uh, – you know, on the, on a minimum deal and then also get somebody on the tax mid-level exception. It just depends, but I just, that those would be the players that I would like the Lakers to pick. And as you can tell, these are marginal players. These aren't players that are going to make that big of a difference overall. It's going to come down to LeBron, AD and Russ. But the reason why Russ really didn't work is for two reasons, Frank Vogel, because he couldn't command the respect of Russ. And also Rob Palenka's roster was flawed 
and it just made Russ look that much worse. I do think that the Lakers will look better next year, even if Russ opts in, he's on the team, and he plays all the way up into the tread deadline, or hell, plays the entire year, and the Lakers get $47, $50 million in cap space the following season. That's what I think is going to happen for the Lakers, but best-case scenario, they get somebody like KCP back, and they, they're able to get people on the cheap on minimum deals that they absolutely need, and well, Russ buys into Darvin Ham. Well, okay, so those are some good points. A lot of ifs. If it was of, a fifth, I'll be drunk. Man. I do have Gary Harris on my list, so we are in agreement on that. As far as the shooting guard position, there's a couple other names I saw that I liked. Jeremy Lamb will be a free agent. Good, solid three-point shooter, former UConn standout. Hasn't really stuck anywhere. Josh Okogie, uh has kind of been buried on the bench the last few years in, in Minnesota. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. Another guy who could make three-point shots. Uh, could be a Malik Monk type. Now, here's here's the model I think the, the Lakers need to go after because one of the things that they actually got right in addition to Malik Monk was they got it right with Stanley Johnson. They got it right with Wenyan Gabriel. What you need to get are guys willing to come in on short-term vets minimum deals, but that are not veterans, that are not true veterans. That's what you need to get. So what you want to get is more guys like Malik Monk. Exactly. Young, gotta, young guys. Hit. Well, yes, but guys who have a chip on their shoulder, it hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And the Dodgers have sort of, once again, here comes another Dodger reference. The Dodgers have employed a similar strategy in recent years. Yeah, Chris Taylor ha- didn't wasn't a hit in Seattle. Max Muncy wasn't a hit in Oakland. Well, you know what? What if we got them, put them in the minors, figured out what was wrong with them and then see if we could try to make something out of nothing. And you know what? Those two guys have been a big part of the Dodgers success over the last few years. I think if you bring in some of these young guys, convince them to take a one-year deal because now you've got a chance to show what you can do in a different environment, a la Malik Monk. And we also know anybody that's played alongside LeBron James has usually gotten paid. J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, Timothy Mozgov. Kyrie, uh, Tristan Thompson. I mean, uh, who else got paid? Uh, KCP. A lot of guys have uh, Alex Caruso. A lot of guys have gotten paid just by playing next to LeBron James and then playing and then showing what they could do on the big stage. So that's what these guys who have sort of been overlooked in the doghouse. I also mentioned last week, Kevin Knox. I think that's a very interesting situation. He's a restricted free agent in Atlanta, but I think uh, it would not surprise me if the Hawks say, you know what? Uh, you're not for us. We want to go after eight and we want to go after some other guys. We're in a win now situation. You're not going to help us do that. That's another guy you want to get off the scrap heap. Uh, as far as the front court, I would like to have some depth. Some of the names that stand out to me, Chris Boucher, who's had a couple of really nice years with the Toronto Raptors, Damian Jones, bring him back with the Lakers. I really liked what he did in 21. JaVale McGee, barbecue chicken. He, he showed he's got some life left. Thomas Bryant. So that would, those types of guys, hardworking, 10 and 10 type guys, rim runners would be good for the front court. And I like your uh, analogy with the guard situation. There are two names that stick out for me. Colin Sexton. Now, I don't know what Cleveland's going to do with him, but his value has got to be low because he's coming off that, that meniscus tear. That could be somebody I'd be willing to give that mid-level exception to and see if you could put him in a one-plus-one situation and sh- and basically give him what's called a prove-it deal. Prove okay. it. Prove prove that you could stay healthy. Prove that you could be the player you were pre-injury. And then, of course, this guy was linked to uh, Darvin Ham in Atlanta. Uh, I got to go with my guy, Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova. He was He's coming off a gruesome leg injury, was not himself last year got traded to Sacramento. He could use a change of scenery. That would be a really solid piece for the Lakers. So those are just some of the names that um, I, I wanted to point out to you. Before we move on, here's <laughs> a name. What? Here's a name that here's a name that I like. What about TJ Warren? Also on my on a, list. Oh, yes. On a, on, a, on a one plus one or even Daniel House on a minimum, on a one-year minimum. Uh, minimum. You understand so- the strategy, right? Yeah, you yeah. understand you, the formula. You, you gotta, you gotta be able to buy low and get a high return on your investment. Right. That's the only way for the Lakers to be able to be able to win. So ultimately, it's just going to come down to some things going 
their way mm-hmm. and also making the right decisions. We're 10 days away from the uh, NBA draft. Right. And we're 17 days away from NBA free agency. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to happen quick yeah. by the, by the next time we record this podcast or the next two times we record this podcast, the Lakers team might be put together for the most part in yeah. a couple weeks or really by the first week of July. Um, it's not going, there's no big star for the Lakers to get no in free, in free agency. So it's not going to be until the second week of free agent. They're all the players that they need are going to go pretty much on the first or second day, I think. So um, maybe. Yeah. And also too, what's going to come into that one more component. You mentioned the draft. Now we've heard that the Lakers want to buy into the second round. Uh, but I think it would not shock me if they could find a way to flip Kendrick Nunn, assuming he opts into that $5 million uh, deal for the second year of that contract that he signed last summer. It wouldn't shock me if they flipped him to try to get a second round pick or two rather than uh, rather than just deal out money to get the second rounder. Now, not only do you shed salary, you essentially could get two second rounders and you free up a roster spot. Could you see something like that happening on draft night? Yeah, absolutely. You know what else I could see? I could see somebody, man, this, this is what the Lakers, this would be something for the Lakers to really hit on. And that's a disgruntled star becoming available prior to training camp that the Lakers can get off Russell Westbrook on and somebody who's worth both picks in 27 and 2029 and Kendrick Nunn and THT, somebody who's good enough that will become available for the Lakers to trade off. I don't know. This is just a name, Damian Lillard, you know, like could you see Damian Lillard coming to LA and Portland just getting a slew of picks, Russell Westbrook, THT, Kendrick Nunn, I mean, that's a nice package for Dane. Real, real talk. But that's just an idea. It's not going to happen. Uh, let me just, but I'm just saying okay, that, I, that's the best case scenario for Ellie. Sure. Right. And, and let me just say this. Possible. I just don't know how probable that is because Damian Lillard still has it in his mind that Portland could be a championship team. That's the problem with somebody like that. Zach Levine, maybe. You know what I mean? That's That, that would be more of a disgruntled or basically telling the Chicago front office, I don't plan to be here long-term trade me. I prefer to go to LA because that's where I'm, I want to sign that extension. So if you want me to do a sign and trade, work it out with LA, it would have to be Levine running that show. And I don't know if he's got the gumption or the, or the cachet to do something like that, but that's not a bad idea, Chaz. And we've always, you know, some of these things just kind of happen like that. It's possible. So it's possible. I don't know how probable it is with Dame, but the situation itself is possible. So I like how you're thinking. I like how you're thinking. You never know who might come available. You're using that creative side of your brain. I love that. Bradley Beal, I don't know. (laughs) Now, could LeBron really own an NBA team? He said so on his shop or HBO's, well, not HBO, YouTube's now, the the shop. It's not HBO anymore? No, it's on on YouTube now. Interesting. LeBron said that he wants to be an owner. Um. He wants to be an owner specifically in Vegas. Hmm. Chris, what do you think the chances of this actually happening are now that LeBron is officially the first active NBA player to ever become a billionaire? Mm-hmm. Um, not too not too long after that, Tiger became a billionaire. <laughs> um, didn't somebody else become a billionaire shortly after? Uh, but I know it was Tiger. Uh, LeBron, can he own a team in Vegas or how do you see it playing out, man? Well, if, if it's going to be anywhere, Vegas or Seattle seem to be the logical solutions. You know, Seattle, they've been clamoring for a team since uh, the owner up and moved them out of Seattle to Oklahoma City. So why why that great sports town does not have a team uh, is beyond me. I mean, it's been what, since 2008 that they that yeah. they last had a, a team there. So, yeah, it's been way too long. So, yeah, it, it's either going to be Seattle or Vegas. Vegas is really starting to build something nice there. The Golden Knights, really good fan base. You saw what, you know, a lot of uh, Raider fans flock to Vegas. Uh, so it's just, a, a you know, you're tapping into a lot of different bases when you're talking about Vegas because you got the L.A., uh, you know, the people from L.A., you got the people from, you know, that Mountain West area from Colorado and Utah and Wyoming and that area. And then you've also got Idaho. And, 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 and so it's just, it's just a really good location because it brings in a lot of different fans. 
And it wouldn't surprise me that LeBron James would have a team in Vegas and build something out there. Uh, I think the NBA would love it. I think uh, LeBron James would be holding true to his word. He always said, I want to own a basketball team. I want to, I want to be the guy at the helm. Um, I think it's possible. I just think just like with any other successful NBA player, you have to surround yourself with the right people. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan did not really understand that concept when he was in Washington and even in Charlotte. I mean, last few years, he's kind of gotten a few more things right as far as personnel goes and front office personnel specifically, but that would be something that LeBron James would have to really think hard on. Don't just get your guys in there, you know, as far as when it comes to personnel decisions, get basketball minded people, people who've been in the business scouts. You got to build all of that up. You've got to get the right GM, the right president. All of those things really have to align. But if anyone is go, you know, can make that work, I think it really is LeBron James. As far as uh, an NBA, an active NBA player doing it, I could definitely see him doing it. Um, I just don't know how successful it is because, as you know, Chaz, these expansion teams don't always hit the ground running. Sometimes it takes them five to ten years before we see any sort of real success, you know. And sometimes we don't even see it then. Yeah, but a team. In Vegas, I think the NBA will put a team in Vegas before they'll put one back up in Seattle because there's oh, I just agree. too much too much money in Vegas. And they're building another arena. They already got the T-Mobile arena. They they got uh, they're building another arena that's specifically uh, for basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, more jobs, well. more jobs. They already got the stadium for the Raiders out there. I mean, it, it's 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 just inevitable. They they just did the NFL draft out there. Um, the NBA does the summer league out there every year. Uh, Vegas is the new hot spot, and it's going to create um, a change in the divisions in the NBA as well. Because you, right now, you need not just one team; you need two to balance mm -hmm. out uh, everything. So, not only do I think is it's possible, but it's probable, and it would behoove the league to do that solid for LeBron James kind of like they did for Jordan mm -hmm. for what he's done, not only for the league, but for the game on a global scale across the world. So um, yeah, I, it's, it's going to happen. I would actually venture off to say it'll happen within the next 10 years. For sure. Yeah. I, I think 10 years sounds, sounds about right. And as far as the expansion thing, I, I it wouldn't also shock me if a team like Memphis up and moved to or or even new orleans you know i aren't the pelicans for sale jazz mm, not no not a, not officially but okay but I'm it sure wouldn't okay yeah so they I mean, want they want the league wants them to sell right is what the rumors or what the rumblings are that wouldn't shock me if in instead of in this is just an idea more than likely it's probably going to be the expansion but let's just play with the other side for just for a second play devil's advocate it wouldn't shock me if they got them out of New Orleans and into Vegas or out of Memphis and into Vegas. But I think Memphis has got a little bit more of a solid fan base, a no. more committed oh, fan yeah, base. It, it New was... Orleans, on the other hand, a little bit shaky. I know a lot of fans showed out this last year, but consistently it hasn't always been the case. So I just think it, it wouldn't shock me if one or two of those teams end up relocating Gail Benson who I think is the governing owner of the Pelicans decides to say, you know what, I'm going to cash in my chips now and basically retire and go off into the sunset. LeBron, good luck with, with these guys and, and, and do what you got to do. It wouldn't shock me if that is the route, but, and I think Adam silver, you know, he, he is a player's commissioner and I'm sure he would do his very best to usher LeBron in uh, as a new owner and go to bat for him when it comes to voting in a, an actual new owner. Yeah. And shout out to Adam silver, who may not be at the NBA finals because he's in health and safety protocols. We don't know if he tested positive for COVID or has yeah. symptoms, but, but hope, hopefully he's okay. And he's able to give the warriors uh, the trophy uh, at the end of the finals. But yeah, man, I just, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, it, it'll be pretty cool to see LeBron James, being an owner of an NBA team in Vegas and winning a championship, right? Imagine if LeBron wins a championship as an owner before M before MJ does with the Charlotte Hornets. Wouldn't shock so, me. <laughs> wouldn't shock me. Now, 
With that being said, my favorite part of the show is here. Social media posts of the week. There's so many options to choose from. Chris, you know I like to keep it on Twitter. I do have some IG posts every now and then that come close and quite possibly might make the cut. But Chris, I'm going to let you go first. What is your social media post of the week? Yeah, so I found this one. This was interesting. In lieu of the Anthony Davis not picking up a basketball situation or uh, the, the line that definitely went viral. So this one is from at Buckets, and it's a video embedded from all reaction videos. And it says, Darvin Ham and Rasheed Wallace waking Anthony Davis up at 5 a.m. daily to get shots up after hearing he hasn't shot a basketball since April 5th. And it's two corrections officers breaking into a cell and waking up a juvenile and telling him to get up, get out of bed and get Let's going. Go. <laughs> it was, it Let's was go. pretty, it was pretty funny. Yeah. So, so hey, my, don't, it wouldn't my, shock me if that happens. Mine comes from at Lake show. Yo Lake show. Yo, you've been putting out some fire heat uh, during these playoffs and the NBA finals, but come from him. For me this week, he said AD saying that he hasn't touched a basketball in over a month. And it's a TikTok video of some kids who played a prank on their dad uh, <laughs> that made the TV look like the TV is broken. And this guy is just going off going, God damn, God damn. You guys know what that meme is. Uh, Lake Show Yo, shout out to you for using that meme in the best context that you, that you could with saying AD hasn't touched the ball in over a month. It's actually been two months since mm. he touched the ball. And this man shot 18% from the three-point line and missed over 40 games. Get your ass back on the court and get to shooting and weight training so we can win this number 18. Let's go, man. Sorry, I, 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 I digressed a little bit. Um, with that being said, thank you guys for listening to the Outlet Forum podcast. You guys know where to follow me on Twitter, at Chaz Pearson on instagram at chas p chris where can they follow you my man you can always follow me on twitter at chris underscore camello i'm on instagram c camello one and be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms and on social media at the outlet forum on ig and twitter we got some good stuff coming up uh, over the summer even with the nba finals and the nba season nearing an end but hey we got some good stuff coming your way right right partner no doubt. No doubt. We've got some guests coming up. And uh, of course, we got free agency coming up and so many things. The NBA never sleeps, man. So you guys are always going to get fire content out of us. Uh, keep following us. Keep listening. We appreciate everybody that taps in with us and give us that feedback. Let us know what you guys want to hear, what you want to see. And uh, we'll make sure to keep bringing the content and the heat. Until next week, we'll talk to you guys then. Peace. Peace.